We do find when people are more interested in their health, they take action, they'll do better. It's common sense and it's something that's not often applied to our healthcare system because we've had this dependency on our doctors to fix everything. And I'm just telling you, it's not working. It's not working. We have more chronic disease than ever before. It's horrible. You know, more yeah. cancers, more autoimmune disease, more obesity. It's horrible. So I'm a big proponent of people taking ownership of their health. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kyburn, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. Dr. Alan Hopkins, I'm so excited to have you on Muscle Medicine Podcast today. You have this amazing company called Your Lab Work, in addition to being an ER doctor in Austin. Welcome. I'm so excited to chat. Yeah. Thank you for having me on your show. Super excited to get some information out there for your all your athletes. Yeah. So lab work, I feel like is very confusing to read, not only as just a layman walking on this earth, right? But even just from the aspect of like conventional medicine, knowing is my doctor ordering the right lab work? Is what they're telling me, giving me the full scope of what I'm struggling with? And we'll get into that, but I'd love to hear how you started your lab work, the company, and just your interest in that field. Yeah, for sure. So, so I'm an emergency medicine physician. Uh, I was trained at a, a medical school called Loma Linda about 20 years ago. Uh, when I turned 40, this is about eight years ago now, when I turned 40, I noticed, you know, I was having some issues with muscle mass and it was, I could work out and just wouldn't get this, the same gains. Uh, started accumulating a lot of visceral or belly fat and uh, became really interested in how can I reverse this aging process and uh, became really interested in anti-aging medicine. And so I went and got a fellowship with A4M certification in anti-aging medicine. And uh, from that, I was hired by some uh, companies to do consulting with them. Uh, we consulted with NBC's Biggest Loser. The wow. point of that was we were looking for the labs that would change the most as people went through their program. So as they had the dramatic change in their body composition, as they put on more muscle and lost the fat, particularly visceral or belly fat, um, there were key biomarkers that would change over that period of time. And then I also did some consulting with, uh, with a company that did labs for the Oprah Winfrey Show and CEOs across the, the U.S. We talked to these guys, they would get thousands of dollars of testing done and they would want to know which tests were the best tests to get and so on. Yeah, not necessarily athletes, but the, these people were just, you know, they, they wanted to have what was available out there. So from all of that, I decided, man, wouldn't it be cool if consumers could get direct access to really the tests that, that I think that they need? And so I started a company called YourLabWork.com where people can actually go online and order whatever tests that we have. And on the back end, our doctors go ahead and, and sign their name to the, to the lab requisition. We send it to your email. And then you go to a local draw station, or maybe you, you want a kit. We do have various functional medicine kits. We can send to your house, and you provide a urine specimen or a blood spot test. If, say you're looking for food sensitivity testing. And then you send the kit back, and we send all the results to you in a period of a couple days if it's blood tests, or a couple weeks if it's one of these uh, functional medicine kits. But I became very interested in anti-aging, and I wanted to have uh, people have access to the labs directly without having to first go see their doctor and get approval. 
uh, which can sometimes slow people down, can be an extra cost, and sometimes doctors will refuse to order the test for you. So it can be oh, absolutely. It's, it's so interesting to be able to have access to lab work because oftentimes it feels like this barrier, right? Like, oh, I have to go to my doctor and the, the inconvenience of scheduling an appointment and then going and then asking. I know my own father was asking for lab work that would, could be considered functional medicine lab work. And yeah. the primary care that he saw, he's been seeing for like 40, 50 years, like actually got really angry it was yeah. like, I don't believe in that. And just <laughs> it's got, yeah. like he couldn't get the lab work that I was actually recommending he get. So it's, yeah, it's such a cool to break down that barrier. Yeah, it can be a major source of frustration for people. And, uh, you know, the truth is doctors sometimes don't know about these, these newer tests. You know, if you look at the Dutch test, which is a dried urine hormone test, this company was founded fairly recently, I think in 2006. That's extremely recent in medical terms. And so the technology and them being able to get the message out there and adequately train doctors, it takes literally decades and decades to even reverse bad medicine. We still practice bad medicine sometimes. And I speak from an allopathic standpoint. We have more chronic disease now than we've ever had uh, before in the history in the United States. I mean, you know, more and more people are overweight, struggling with their weight and so on. We're doing a horrible job as doctors. So I, I think you have to be careful about standing on a soapbox and telling people what they don't need. Yeah. So I'd love to, and it, let me know if you can share this, but what were some findings that you found, right? Because we talk about muscle, a muscle medicine podcast a yeah. lot, when you were working with The Biggest Loser and they were gaining muscle, losing fat. But like from when I watched the show, it was like really rapid results and like going from super sedentary to working out more than these people have ever worked out in their lifetime. Um, can you share just some of the things that you found in terms of blood work? Yeah, yeah. It's actually kind of interesting. When you do eat better, nutritionally better, and you, you lose this, this weight, um, numerous things start to start to change in your body. First of all, inflammation is a huge marker. And the way that we measure chronic inflammation is through a biomarker called HSCRP. It really is, stands for high sensitivity CRP. And it's this protein we measure in the bloodstream that signals inflammation. And we saw dramatic decreases in body inflammation as people went through that program. The other thing that we saw, which was kind of interesting, is we saw increases in HDL. And this should be expected. You know, HDL is high-density lipoprotein. This is a cholesterol marker. And uh, it's one of the best cholesterol markers because it removes the bad cholesterol from the lining of our arteries. And having higher numbers of HDL is preferable. And many athletes out there, simply by you know, doing athletics and working out and that kind of stuff, they can increase their HDL. Well, if they change their body composition, that also you know, helps a lot. So weight loss helps as long as it's done the right way. Another thing that was interesting is your belly fat is actually the largest endocrine organ in your body. And I talk a lot about belly fat or visceral fat. It turns out that as these people went through there and they lost a massive amounts of, of belly fat, their hormones uh, secreted from their belly fat got significantly better. Your belly fat produces you know, pro-inflammatory hormones leading to lots of inflammation or anti-inflammatory hormones, which can be quite protective for your heart as, as you age. And we saw those hormones called adiponectin, which is the good fat hormone, and leptin, which is the bad fat hormone, get significantly better in, in all of these people. So there were key biomarkers that changed for a lot of people. You know, their fasting insulin levels would get better. Their, their A1Cs or their three-month measurements of their blood sugars would go down. And for a lot of people, their cortisol got better too, which is the, from the adrenal glands, your stress hormone. 
it's a super common problem for overtraining. Athletes will give up sleep in favor of going and doing athletics, and they forget that sleep really resets all their hormones. It's what leads to the healing of the muscles and the muscle growth itself. And so it's really one of the most overlooked things is, is cortisol. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that because there's a lot of listeners who are super athletic. Some of them are ultra marathoners, are doing a marathon every quarter, sometimes don't know how to rest, right? They yeah. just want to put their shoes on and go. And then we also have a lot of people who are hardcore CrossFitters lifting every day. And so I love to just dive in deep into what you find in the overtraining population. So I'm going to talk about a study that was done on people that were, they were Olympic athletes. And so they went to the U.S. Olympic Training Center and they took blood work from these Olympians as they went through the training process. And uh, the number one thing they saw was overtraining. And overtraining can be measured by an increased amount of creatinine kinase in your blood called CK. We can see higher levels of CK. Cortisol, huge marker for overtraining. Cortisol should be nice and high first thing in the morning like, you know, around 20 or so if we're doing a blood test. Throughout the day, that cortisol level should drop nicely and come to a really nice low in the evening time and should stay low all night long. What was happening with these Olympic athletes is because of overtraining and the lack of getting proper sleep, their cortisol levels were inappropriately low in the morning. So -hmm. they would be quite low. The other thing that we would see with Olympic athletes oftentimes were they just weren't hydrating enough. So a lot of them would have their, um, their kidney function would be on the higher end of normal. So they weren't really taking in enough water. It's kind of kind of common sense things that we saw with these Olympic athletes. They, they mainly just didn't allow enough time for rest and recovery. And this is why now, you know, the Olympic athletes pay very close attention to sleep and the recovery. Here's yeah. another little tidbit of information that maybe your listeners know this, but vitamin D, super important if you're an athlete. And I have a lot of athletes who come and see me, the triathletes, whatever, and they're trying to just get a competitive edge. And one of the easiest things we can do is, is optimize their vitamin D levels because vitamin D is a hormone. And we found that if we can get that above 60, somewhere in the range of 60 to 80, now the normal reference range is 30 to 100. Okay, that's the normal reference range. It's a wide range. The big wide range. And 70% <laughs> of the population is too low uh, on that range or below 30. But I'm talking about getting people between 60 and 80. If once we get them up at 60, guess what happens? They can build more fast twitch type 2 muscle fibers. Hey, all right. So now uh, suddenly I convinced my, uh, my son, who's 17 years old, is on playing the varsity football team at the, the, one of the top schools here in Texas. All of a sudden I can convince him to take vitamin D uh, because he knows <laughs> how to get even. He runs a 4.6, but he wants to run faster. Right. So, you know, nutrition is super important. So, between nutrition and sleep, most of your issues can be solved uh, with the athletes. The other thing that we like to look at for people, of course, is, is always, you know, the hormones and such. Because here's this really interesting thing. So Navy SEALs are, are probably even better than Olympic athletes. I mean, they're in amazing shape what they do. They drive up this, uh, this protein in their body called sex hormone binding globulin. And, and actually, if you measure it in most of your athletes, it's going to be really high. I wouldn't consider my, I would consider myself to be an athletic, but not an athlete. My sex hormone binding globulin is above normal. My wife's is way above normal. I'm sure if we measured yours, is way above normal. And you may say to yourself, well, who, who really cares? Well, it's kind of a biomarker of aging. So the higher it is, the better it is for you. The problem is it binds on to your sex hormones tighter 
than anything else. And your, your sex hormones have a real hard time disassociating from that uh, protein. And so you can't use your sex hormones. So a lot of these Navy SEALs will come back from combat. And when we measure their testosterone levels, uh, they'll be really low. And once they stop that working out and that, you know, the boost that comes of testosterone with working out, their testosterone levels drop precipitously. And then they start losing muscle mass, they start getting depressed and so on. And it's really because their sex hormone binding globin is so high. So when you measure testosterone, you shouldn't just measure it as a total testosterone. You really look, need to look at bioavailable testosterone, which is that testosterone that's bound to albumin, which is a weak association, and the free testosterone, which your body can just use. Interesting. Do you find a difference in the athletes that are more of the hard charging cardio endurance? Do you see differences in their blood work versus someone who's a strength athlete in overtraining potentially in a CrossFit setting, right? Because one is more of an endurance sport and then one of them is more of a strength muscle mass. And you can overtrain in both, but do you see differences in their lab work? Yeah. So, uh, so I, would, I would tell you this, that individuals are so different that I, I couldn't just group them into, yeah, this is definitely what happens when you, when you do this solely and this is what happens when you do that. A lot of my athletes are actually doing both things. They're doing endurance, they're doing CrossFit, mm -hmm. they're doing lifting. They're so just doing it at all. <laughs> yeah, they're in heart. But, but there is a pattern that emerges and the pattern is overtraining, lack of sleeping, and we can measure this with, with blood work. And then also if you measure the total CK, that will be really high in, in guys that are lifting really heavy weights and tearing up their muscle quite a bit. And also be really high in your endurance athletes that are out there running, you know, 20 miles. And the other interesting thing is I started measuring troponins, and this is not available on our website because this is a heart attack uh, thing. But mm -hmm. I started measuring troponins in every single person who would complete a, uh, a marathon here in Austin when they would come into the ER, you know, with any kind of symptom, I'd check a troponin. And interestingly enough, the troponin was often elevated. I do caution people about overtraining and being properly prepared to do some of these endurance runs because you literally can do damage to your heart. And above a certain level of endurance performance, we see these people not live as long. So I think you really have to be, you have to be cautious about how much you do train and how much you do rest. It is important. It's not just about having the best performance. It's actually about long-term prevention of strain on their heart. And Interesting. I mean, you know, every marathon that you know, happens, there's always like a couple people that like collapse on the course with chest pain, heart attacks. Uh, ah, then, yeah, you're, right? you're bringing up something really important I don't want to talk about when it comes to blood work and awareness. And I'm a huge proponent of people getting an advanced cholesterol checked. Advanced ah. cholesterol panel is really important because it shows a genetic marker in it called lipoprotein A. About 20% of us have it here in the United States. And it, it's that marker that people have when they suddenly just drop dead and they're a triathlete and everybody thought they were in great health. So here's a good example from the NBC's Biggest Loser. So the NBC Biggest Loser trainer's name is Bob Harper. Yeah. And at the age of 51, he had a heart attack. Now, if you've seen the show, does he look like he should be having a heart attack? No. No, that man looks fit. <laughs> he looks fit, right? Yeah. yeah. He's had a heart attack at 51. So that's wow. basically my age. So he's had a heart attack at my age. Why did he have a heart attack? Well, he went on Dr. Oz and he revealed the cause of his heart attack was due to lipoprotein A that wasn't discovered. So lipoprotein A is pretty much unknown by 99.9% .9 of the population. Why? Because insurance companies will not approve of the testing. 
but you can go online and you can get your lipoprotein A checked for $50. And you can get an advanced lipid panel for $175 that'll give you the complete evaluation of your cholesterol and give you your lipoprotein A. So I started doing this. I started checking everybody um, when, I, when I read about this. Um, 1.2 million heart attacks here in the United States and about 120,000 of them are due to lipoprotein A alone, okay? So these are the young people, uh, 40s and 50s that are having heart attacks and we just, we don't actually check for it until after somebody's already had an event and they survived it. And about 50% of people will survive, the other 50% will die and we'll never know. But now, right now you can check it and it's super easy to check and I recommend everybody in their 20s and 30s get checked particularly if you have a family history of people just dying unexpectedly young in your family, or if you don't know your family history, maybe you're adopted or you just, you just are not aware of the family history, just get it checked. You only have to get it checked once. If you have lipoprotein A, there are some things that we can do. We try to educate people on that. If you uh, don't have it, that's great. It's fantastic. But I started checking. I found my wife, and then I found it her father, and I found it her mother. I found it one of the healthiest nurses in my clinic, she required some additional testing. We found a lesion on her widowmaker artery, the left anterior descending artery of her heart, at the exact same place her mother had a heart attack at the age of 47. So the, these are like, these, this is real, and we can now test for it. And uh, if you're an athlete out there and you don't want to be one of these people that's running a marathon, just keels over unexpectedly, just, you know, get an advanced lip, lipid panel checked and look for lipoprotein A. Make sure you don't have it. If you do have it, you need to consult with a cardiologist and make sure it's safe for you to continue the strenuous uh, stress you're putting on your heart each and every day. Do you think that most conventional doctors test for that? Or is it because insurance doesn't cover it? Maybe most doctors don't even know about it? Yeah, I find that a lot of doctors have heard of it, but they're not really deeply familiar with it. So in other words, they might have heard of you know the testing, but they're not familiar with how to treat it or the available treatments or what you do next kind of thing. And it's largely because we're driven by insurance companies. I mean, medicine is driven by pharmaceutical industry and insurance companies. The insurance companies tell us what they're going to test. And by the way, I just got a letter from Aetna saying they're no longer going to pay for vitamin D testing as a preventative measure. So now oh, my athletes on. who want vitamin D testing are going to have that test denied by their insurance company, and they're going to have to pay out of pocket. So again, another frustrating thing, right? Because we begin to realize how important vitamin D is insurance companies are now seeing many more orders for vitamin D. So what do they try to do? Come up with a reason not to pay for it. Right. So once someone finds, and obviously everyone's different and there's lots of factors, but once someone finds, oh, my vitamin D is low and obviously low can have a range. Once they start supplementing, so let's say there it's like, I think it's like 5,000 IUs a day. How quickly can people start to see changes? I know that's a really broad question and there's so many factors involved, but to get to that optimal range of like 60 to 80, like how quickly, like if you, if you tested someone's blood work and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, it's low, let's start supplementing. So like, would you test again in three months, six months, a year? So most people who come and see me are looking for uh, an edge. And so they want a comprehensive evaluation and they want to look at all the various areas they want to optimize. If, if they're compliant, meaning they're like super excited to do this, we will put them on the supplements or whatever it is they want to do, lifestyle modifications, you know, more rest, paying attention to their sleep, hydration, that kind of thing. We'll do that for a period of three months where they really, really do it well. And then we check the blood work and we see what changes there are. Now, the advantage of doing this is 
you take that first three months is when people are most likely to do what you tell them to do. And they're most likely to be enrolled in it. Once they see the changes in their blood work, it's super empowering to them because then they realize they actually have control of what's really going on inside their bodies. We're not just looking at theoretical markers and sort of talking stuff off a board. Hey, this is your body. This is your biomarker. This is actually what you did to change it to go in this positive direction. And that gets people excited. And so then that allows them to continue doing what they're doing. And we might find that, hey, you know, we need to increase the supplement this way because you're not quite moving enough. And this is very helpful to us. But I would wait a period of three months to get retested after any intervention. I find that most helpful. And then after that, if, if everything's going well, just every single year, you know, you just get a check. I was on a panel with an NFL football player. He'd, he'd retired. He'd been in the NFL for 16 years. He was an offensive lineman. He played for three different teams, the Patriots and the Chiefs and so on. Anyway, he, uh, he was, came up after, afterwards. He was like, man, I love what you do. Like, I am so enrolled <laughs> in this. Like, I, I I'm it. telling you, every six months I go and I get a complete evaluation of all the biomarkers that I've heard about. I do this because my body is a temple and, and I take care of it and I'm willing to invest in it. And I wish more people would do this and, and not wait until they feel badly to do it because I love what you're doing. And so the, and that's really what this is set up for, right? The direct access testing. It's set up to empower people to take some ownership in their health. Yes, maybe learn about some biomarkers you don't know about. Learn about what the optimal levels are. Learn, you know, the things that you can do quite naturally to improve. And uh, man, it's just so great for athletes because they're kind of already enrolled in their health. They've already bought into the idea, you know, that all of this makes them feel better, makes them stronger, and it's worth it. Yeah. So once someone orders a test, they do the test, they get the results, because yeah. that's like one piece of the puzzle. The second piece of the puzzle is how do you read it appropriately, yeah. efficiently? So do you guys have uh, a team of people that help read it or like resources to Yeah. Go yeah, for sure. So, so what I do is I actually, um, I send uh, people videos of myself talking through the various tests just so they can have some background in case they're going to go to their primary care doctor who may not, you know, have that same information. Because at the end of the day, I want people to have more education to ask better questions so they can get better results. We do partner with an integrative practice. It's uh, Dr. Alan Christensen's practice out of yeah. Arizona. Yeah. And uh, those doctors there will do telemedicine with people. So it's mm -hmm. super convenient. Uh, so if you're in the United States, they'll be able to do telemedicine with you. If you need to have a prescription, they tell me they can write prescriptions and all that kind of stuff. So it is a nice resource. And they're an integrative practice, meaning that you're not going to go in there and get five minutes of their time on the telemedicine. They're setting right. aside, you know, a full amount of time with you. Now they're completely outside of us. So it is one of those things where, you know, if you want to do it, it isn't, it's a charge or whatever it is they're going to charge, but they're super reasonable for functional medicine doctors, integrative doctors. I think it's less than $200 to visit with them for an hour. So, I mean, that's, that, that doesn't happen here. here in Austin. <laughs> that does not happen in New York. <laughs> yeah. So here in Austin, it costs $500 to see one of these integrative doctors up to 2,250. Yeah, it is. It's unbelievable. Anyway, so we got a great deal going on for people out there that are looking for their own testing and being able to be hooked up with an integrative practitioner that can give them, you know, very natural solutions to their issues. So yeah, we're, that's we're amazing. That. Yeah. yeah. There's another audience on muscle medicine that listens into the podcast and those people are one struggling with Hashimoto's or thyroid conditions. So I'd love to just break down because oftentimes people are going, they're getting blood work and they feel confused because 
they're told like, oh, things are so bad, like TSH looks good. And so I'd love yeah. to just break down yeah, yeah. some hey, critical you know, thyroid tests. No, I'm really glad you mentioned that because yeah, and with athletes too, it's, it's very pertinent that they, they actually check full thyroid tests. And the reason why is because overtraining can actually cause you co- to convert to your active hormone significantly less. And this can lead to more trouble with performance. So really in recognizing the actual active thyroid hormone and what its levels are, you know, really important. So let's talk about that. So TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone. It's released from the brain and it signals your thyroid to make more or less thyroid hormone. What ends up happening is if you go to a traditional doctor, family practice or otherwise, even endocrinologists, they'll oftentimes just check a TSH. And that can be very frustrating for people because if the TSH is in the reference range, they'll tell everybody it's normal. And oftentimes people will still have all the symptoms of thyroid problems. Or if you're an athlete, it'll miss the conversion problem I'm talking about. Mm. So your thyroid makes T4 and T3. T4 is inactive. T3 is active. So what happens in your body is your thyroid makes 80% T4. And as you need it, it converts it into T3. And the thyroid also makes 20% of T3. But it's not enough. And so you're required as you need it to convert it from T4. In the athlete, they sometimes will have trouble with that conversion of T4 into T3, but you would never know unless you checked it. So on our website, you can check TSH, you can check T3 and T4. And these are checked in the free form. So it's called free T4 and free T3. And then you can check your antibodies. And if you're a woman, this is super important because women are 10 times more likely to develop autoimmune thyroid disease. So you almost have to be a little bit paranoid about it. If you're having any symptoms, super important to get your antibodies checked and make sure you don't have positive antibodies. Because if you do, you do have Hashimoto's, okay? Hashimoto's, what is it? Well, let me tell you a story. So Dr. Hashimoto was 31 years old. This is back in 1912, Japanese doctor. And he was looking at the uh, thyroid glands of, of people underneath the microscope. And he came up with the whole thing of this autoimmune process. And so it wasn't until 10 years later when some other doctors wrote one of, uh, read one of his papers, they said, oh, and we're going to call this Hashimoto's thyroid disease. So Hashimoto's is really just comes from this name of this Japanese doctor. But what it is, is it's an autoimmune attack. I mean, your own body is attacking the thyroid gland. And there's more than 20 million Americans that have this, most of them women. Women are much more likely to get this, again, 10 times more at risk. And, and what are some of the doctors- symptoms... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, the problem is the symptoms can be anything. So the symptoms can be weight gain, depression, mood changes, you know, intolerance to temperature, hair thinning. We like to think of it as the great chameleon. If you're having symptoms and something doesn't seem right, you really need to do a complete evaluation of the thyroid, including thyroid antibodies. And we check thyroid peroxidase antibodies because they're the most sensitive, meaning we pick up the autoimmune disease more often when we check these antibodies. For women, I just every single year as part of one of my comprehensive evaluation tests, I will check their thyroid and their thyroid antibodies to make sure everything's in a line. Now you say, well, okay, who cares? So if I have thyroid disease, what am I going to do? Well, there's lots of things that we can do. In fact, we know that 20% of cases of autoimmune thyroid disease can reverse. And so a lot of doctors that are integrative, in fact, Dr. Alan Christensen's practice is super good at this, really good at helping people with autoimmune thyroid disease. So if you're out there listening and you need a resource for it, maybe you can put the resource below for yeah, this practice. Yeah, I'll give Alan you. I'll, great. Yeah, I'll yeah. drop it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they check food sensitivity testing, which is a functional medicine test that we we do have available on our website. 
to look at your food sensitivities, to look at what foods are causing high inflammation in your body, and they'll try to eliminate those particular foods. They might put you on thyroid medication early to try to rest your thyroid gland and let it recover from the inflammatory process. So you'll try to do everything you can to avoid thyroid failure and going on lifelong thyroid medicine. So it's kind of like they use medicine temporarily now, and it may not be permanent. Whereas before, once you got on thyroid medicine, you were on it forever. The other thing I want to say about thyroid uh, testing, which is interesting, if you do a check at TSH and you check at T3 and a T4 and everything's normal, but you have positive antibodies, this is not uncommon. We see the antibodies about three to five years before we see any changes with the other labs. So wouldn't you rather know years earlier that you're having an autoimmune issue to try to, you know, help yourself reverse it if you can. And again, we do know that 20% of, of cases reverse. So it is it is probably worth you know us continuing to try to look at that. What's the percentage? 20? 20%. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I actually, after I had my baby, he's three and a half now, TSH was normal. Saw a couple of doctors. They didn't really test any of the other thyroid tests. And then eventually had my antibodies tested and they were elevated. I mean, yeah. and I had all the symptoms you talked about, like extreme fatigue, weight gain, hair loss, feeling cold. I literally wore a scarf all the time around my neck, probably to protect my thyroid gland. Yeah. Doing exactly what you're talking about of like changing food sensitivities, cutting out the foods like gluten, dairy, sugar, alcohol, high histamine foods, and doing certain supplement protocols. For the last two years, my my thyroid antibodies and my thyroid blood work have been totally on point. Yeah. See, so, that's awesome because and again, you, you mentioned a very, very common time for women to develop autoimmune thyroid disease, and it's shortly yeah. after the birth of a child. And it's believed to be, uh, that's one of the reasons why we believe women get it more frequently. Again, there's about three different reasons, but one of the reasons is when the baby's genetic material crosses uh, the placenta and your body has a reaction to it a little bit, which makes your immune system hypersensitive. Uh-huh. And so... After the baby's born, then your immune system is now has these components and they're looking around and starts attacking your own thyroid. So again, it's one of the most common autoimmune diseases out there, Hashimoto's thyroid disease. Yeah. And after birth, everyone's like, baby's okay. You're okay. Great. Six week checkup. Great. Go back. Like no OB I've ever seen has ever been like, you know what? Let's check your (laughs) anything more than a TSH. What are two of the other reasons that women more commonly get an autoimmune, specifically Hashimoto's thyroiditis? Yeah. So the other reasons are, in addition to the baby's genetic material, the other reasons are the two X chromosomes that, that women carry. So women carry a double X chromosome, right? Whereas men carry an X and a Y. And so it's thought that perhaps the genes for suppression of, of autoimmunity might lie within the Y chromosome. And so by women not having those genes for suppression, then they're more likely to have it. It's also possible, on the other hand, that women are just much more sensitive because they have two X chromosomes. But we really believe that the reasons have to do with the X chromosomes and then the genetic material that is passed with birth because we so commonly see women have trouble right after birth with uh, autoimmune thyroid disease. Yeah. It can happen. And the other reason just across the board would be um, toxicity. And this is another great reason that I point people towards some functional medicine testing is because now we're realizing that glyphosate is a big problem, right? And so now we can actually test this component of weed killer 
in our own urinary system. So we can pee in a cup and we can tell you, you know, are you at very low levels or are you very high levels? We can also test in your water supply with kits we can send to your house. So I'm a big advocate of people just knowing what their baseline glyphosate levels are. There's numerous other toxins that your body's exposed to. And so Great Plains Labs has, a, has something called a GPL tox, where it looks at 127 different environmental toxins that you're exposed to. And again, the report's super easy to read because they either tell you, yeah, you have some or you have a lot. And, you know, we need to start looking for places where which you're getting exposure. These are, again, really important functional medicine tests if you have autoimmune thyroid disease to at least think about. You know, is it possible that you're being exposed to some environmental toxin that is increasing your autoimmunity? So those things we think about, those are sort of deeper level testing that people have. But if you do have an autoimmune disease, you might want to look into it. It is, it is something yeah. to consider. Unfortunately, I hate to say that we have to look into it, but I mean, you know, the truth is there's a lot of stuff going on out there that I don't think that we're really talking about in medicine. It's pretty scary, actually. You mean in terms of like environmental toxins, Roundup, yes. what's sprayed on our food? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And all those tests are available on yourlabwork.com? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if, if, yeah, if they go to functional medicine tests on our site, they can check for the glyphosate and they can also do the, it's called a GPL tox, which it screens for the environmental toxins. You know, the, the issue is, you know, industry is polluting the environment and that can sometimes leach into the soil, it can leach into our water supply, gets into our bodies and it goes undetected. Why? Because we don't check for it in medicine. We don't. I can tell you as an alpha doctor, we don't have to check for it. But it's cool that now they have these labs out there that are doing these very sophisticated tests looking for these pollutants. And, you know, I, I don't know that I would advocate for everybody in their, in their life, you know, to go out there and do this. But I do think that people that have autoimmune disease or having symptoms or aren't feeling or something's not right, you know, they, they can now look at these things and at least cross them out if they don't have them. Unfortunately, we're seeing more and more of this uh, creeping up into people's uh, systems. And uh, we do believe that it is a cause of some of the problems. Yeah. It's like the cup is overflowing. Like we can only take so much load and then it just tips us over. Yes. Yeah. What is an ideal range for TSH? Well, my ideal range is 0.4 to 2.0. That's my ideal range. You know, TSH is an interesting biomarker, particularly when it comes to labs, because, you know, the labs used to have TSH ranges up to nine, and then they've gradually brought it down to six. Now it's down to four. The reason why the ranges have changed over time is because we've realized, you know, our reference ranges include not only people that, you know, are optimally healthy, but includes people that aren't so healthy. It includes people that actually probably have Hashimoto's that, you know, that haven't been had their TSH go significantly high yet. And so that reference range has gradually creeped down uh, to now it's the high ends around four or four point something for most labs. But for, for our lab, which we use Quest Diagnostics, 0.4 to 2.0 is what I like to look at for my optimal range. Does having a thyroid autoimmune condition affect our blood sugar? Oh, That's absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If your thyroid's not right, it can cause your blood sugar to not be right. So it can either be too high or too low. Most commonly, we see it go too high. So I ran a pre-diabetes center for, for a while. I was a medical director for a company that did intervention for people whose blood sugars was, they were too high, but not quite high enough to be called diabetes. And one of the most common things that we would check for was to make sure they didn't have thyroid disease causing it. Because once we fix the thyroid problem, guess what happened to the blood sugar? You got normal, normalized. Yeah. No reason to worry about your blood sugar if we can fix your thyroid, right? 
Right. So yeah, there's a strong connection between thyroid and, and blood sugar. And so do you check the blood sugar when you're suspecting someone has a thyroid condition? Yes. Yeah. How do you check that? So the best thing to, to check it with would just be a fasting blood sugar or fasting glucose. I like to get a comprehensive metabolic panel because it includes a fasting glucose and also includes an evaluation of your liver. This is really important if you're an athlete, you're taking lots of supplements. Sometimes if you take too much supplements or you're taking too much protein, you can actually cause problems with your liver. And we can measure this with liver enzymes. We look at AST and ALT. These are liver enzymes that when they're elevated, they can signal us that there could be a problem with uh, our supplements. And so I like to recommend people to get, just go ahead and get a comprehensive metabolic panel. It is inexpensive. It really is inexpensive. And it includes a fasting glucose, includes all your electrolytes. It includes your kidney function and includes your liver function. And uh, it's inexpensive. I want to say it's like $30 on our website. It's pretty Wow. Cool. But it's like a super robust panel. Like it tells you a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a really robust panel, specifically very important for athletes when we're looking at uh, supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to make sure that those, you know, it's we're not having issues with liver enzymes in any supplement that somebody's on. Because these supplements will sometimes have things in it that we don't think that, well, they shouldn't even be in it. Okay. They're not, they're not an ingredient. They just happen to get contaminated. When they looked at supplements, you know, 80% of them didn't have in them what they said they had in them. Hmm. It was either too low, too high, or other things were in them. So, because again, it's not a really well-regulated industry, uh, supplements are. So you have to be careful when you're taking large amounts of supplements consistently. Interesting. Do you, do you see liver enzymes change in the overtraining athlete as well? If you're overtraining, I don't really see much in terms of liver enzymes. I see that more with cortisol and I see that more with CK. You can have a higher end of the creatinine if you're not taking in uh, plenty of fluids, but that's less of a common, that's less of a problem in a young person. Okay, cool. And then inflammatory markers in the autoimmune Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So the inflammatory markers really there are the, the antibodies themselves, the peroxidase antibodies. So thyroid peroxidase antibody is one, thyroid globulin antibodies is the other. If you're going to check antibodies for thyroid disease, the peroxidase antibodies have a sensitivity of about 80%, meaning they're going to pick up the disease 80% of the time. The thyroglobulin antibodies, I believe, have a sensitivity around 60%. So mm. I like to check peroxidase antibodies because they're more sensitive. If you're really paranoid, I would check both of those. There are other inflammatory markers that are measured in the bloodstream, but they're not specific to the thyroid. So if we're talking about thyroid-specific tests, those would be the two ones that I would look at. Got it. And then you guys also have a functional medicine panel that tests food sensitivities, nutritional sensitivities. There's two basic panels that we have. Um, one is looking for food sensitivities. That's an IgG food sensitivity test. We look at, I believe it's 195 foods. And we just look and see if you're having a profound inflammatory response to each one of those things. And so it's particularly great if you want to eliminate certain things from your, from your life that you're having a pretty significant response to. The other one is a, is a urine kit. What that tests for is the nutritional evaluation. So it's going to measure a lot of the micronutrients in your body. And it's just going to kind of give you a baseline of where you're at. And that can oftentimes help with supplementation. Hmm. So, so again, you know, eating a well-rounded diet, you're going to be, you're going to be doing okay most of the time, but there are some people that still suffer from, from micronutrient deficiencies. And that test is called a one test. It's an optimal nutritional evaluation. It's done by Genova. So we do have contracts with Genova. So you can order that on our website as well. 
Great. Called the one. The one. So I've had some patients come in, ask their doctor to check for food sensitivities, and they get an IgE test. Yes. Yeah. yeah. As an adult, which I was like, is that helpful? Like, wouldn't someone know if they were having severe anaphylactic reactions to food? Is that? Yeah. So yeah. So that's a that's a it's an important difference. Um, this is a very controversial topic in allopathic medicine, by the way. Controversial meaning that if you go to most allopathic doctors and you start talking about IgG sensitivity, they say, oh, you have IgGs to anything. That's what your body normally does. It's really just the IgEs that we should be checking for. So as an ER doctor, I see these people. They come in with their lips swollen. They come with a rash all over. Sometimes they yeah. come up with anaphylaxis, which is a low blood pressure. and You know, they're about to die. This is IgE mediated. These are all, like you say, these are profound symptoms that are caused by the release of this immunoglobulin E. And this is what we can measure in the bloodstream. So you're right. These are the kids that, you know, have the peanut allergies and so on. Some adults can go on to have pretty profound IgE uh, things. And so if they describe an event, a lot of doctors will want to get IgE testing. However, integrative doctors are moving towards IgG testing, which is looking at your body's response to any type of food. And it can be a profound response or it can be a very limited response. And they're doing this in cases of autoimmunity, just like we talked about with the thyroid. If you have autoimmunity, what they may do is an elimination diet. Well, they'll base the elimination diet on your IgG food sensitivity testing. But you're right. It is controversial because a lot of allopathic doctors will say IgG is worthless and you should never get it checked. And integrative doctors will say, we think it does have some value. And the truth is it lies somewhere in between because there has been research that has shown that IgG food sensitivity testing can be helpful in, in some people. And so research is out there, and I think um, it will probably move more towards more research in this area. And I think that the integrated doctors may be onto something with the IgG food sensitivity testing. Okay, so how does the one test, which is a urine test, differ than the IgG? Because IgG is a blood test. Is that right. correct? Yeah. yeah. Right. So we'll talk about the differences. So first of all, they're testing two completely different things. Both are send out kits, meaning that if you order from our website, the lab will send a kit directly to your house. The IgG kit is a blood spot test where you poke your finger and you give us a couple drops of blood and then you send it back. And then we give you a report on all the foods that your body's having an inflammatory reaction to and how significant that reaction is. So we'll say it's mild, meaning, you know, that food's okay, or it's severe, mm, you might want to consider, you know, cutting out that food. So that's, that's the IgG test, food sensitivity test. The other test is called a one test. That is a urine test. So you give us a urine sample, and then we're actually measuring the nutrients in your urine. So we're actually looking at the metabolites in the nutrients, and we're able to tell, hey, is this a suboptimal amount? Is this low? Is it normal? And then by that, you can use that to help supplement. Ah, I see. See, Got one it. is like a supplement, good to evaluation for nutrient supplementation. Right. The other one deals with your immune system's response to foods you're eating. Got it. Got it. So cool. There's so much out there in your lab work puts it in such a clear format to people because I think it's it can be so overwhelming. 
Yeah. I, yeah. are like, what do I need ordered? You know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of places online you can go to order tests, but what we tried to do with this one, when I laid it out, I tried to lay it out just like I do in my integrative practice, where I put my five pillars of aging well, really all on one page. And so a person can actually just really click through the various tabs and order the tests within those within those areas. Mm. And it makes it fairly easy over time. Now, it can be a very overwhelming thing. And we're here to try to help, not make things more complicated. Right. We yeah. try to lay it out so that as you begin to go through the process, you know, you'll learn more and more about yourself and your body. And it makes it so much, so much uh, better for you over time because it's just, it's stacking of knowledge. And it's just like, you know, I encourage all the young people to really know their bodies and their biomarkers because the truth is young is not so young anymore. I see 40, <laughs> 50 year old people having heart attacks now. It's not the same as it used to be 20 years ago when you had to be 60 or 70. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous what's going on. Yeah. It really is. So what's next for your lab work? Like what's in the horizon? Because you guys have been growing so quickly. Yeah, you know, I, I think that we're really pushing education more and really getting the message out there. And we're really looking for health warriors. People are out there that are interested in your health partnerships with people. So if you're out there and you're listening and you have, you know, an online business that you think, you know, could benefit from this, we'd love to affiliate you and, and evaluate, you know, if we could become partners in pushing this message out. At the end of the day, it's really about empowering people because we do find when people are more interested in their health, they take action they'll do better. It's common sense. And it's something that's not often applied to our healthcare system because we've had this dependency on our doctors to fix everything. And I'm just telling you, it's not working. It's not working. We have more chronic disease than ever before. It's horrible. You know, more yeah. cancers, more autoimmune disease, more obesity. It's horrible. So I'm a big proponent of people taking ownership of their health. And your community already does that. That's what I love about your community. So I'm expecting, I have very high expectations for your community <laughs> to reach out to me and tell me how we can work together so that I can get the message out to their little micro communities, okay? Because uh, if we all hold hands and we do this together, everybody's going to do better. And it's what we really have to do. We have to really take our health back. And it really starts one person at a time. It really does. Absolutely. Where can people find you and where can people find your lab work? Yeah, so it's super easy. It's uh, yourlabwork.com. And they can always email questions to support at yourlabwork.com. And uh, those questions will go to me and my team and we'll, you know, we'll do what we can to, you know, help you guys and integrate into your lives as best we can and provide you information that, uh, that you need. So awesome. I really appreciate yeah. the opportunity for being on. Yeah. And you guys also have a very, very active Facebook group and you're, oh. you're on doing lives. It's so great. I watch them all. Yeah, you can you can look at it's a private Facebook group called Lab IQ. If you guys want to join that, you're welcome to. It's uh, Lab IQ. We're all trying to raise our Lab IQ. So it's a really a partnership between integrative doctors and you know and people, health coaches, nutritionists, chiropractors, other physicians. Anybody that wants to get on there and just try to you know learn more about labs and what's available for lab testing, and to try to we talk about you know what various tests may mean and so on. So it's just a learning environment, really. Yeah. Amazing. Alan, thank you so much. I feel like even for myself, I'm not a pro at reading lab work, but I just glance at it sometimes when patients bring it in. It has been super helpful. And I know our listeners will be jotting down notes and probably listening to this twice. Awesome. <laughs> thank you so awesome. much. Awesome. I'll come on anytime. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. That's a wrap. I have two truths that I fully believe in. First, to be 1% better every single day. And second, all feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. 
Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you want to share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends, or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys. So much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here.